If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 458 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcasts, a.k.a. The Pod God. Joined today by the Garrod Hegarty of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a metric ton of mixed martial arts, there was uh, a UFC were literally recording this minutes after the <laughs> Rosenstruck versus Gaziev rubbish. Yeah, uh, it's exciting the- <laughs> back and forth uh, <laughs> four God round heavyweight main event. God, I you just after that, but we're also, we're going to talk about fair, that. Fair play to Goddard, though, you know, fair play like <laughs> Oh, just let's start on that. The fair play of the week award, Mark Goddard for stopping that fight. Fair play to you, Mark. Fair fucking play. We're going to talk about 1166 as well. We're going to look ahead then to PFL Europe 1, which have a pretty good card next week. Although, to be not, uh, but our main t- uh, topic today will be uh, UFC 299. We look ahead to that. Although, maybe not our main topic, but we, we I feel like we've kind of four main topics today, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all of them uh, right now. Graham. Let's start. Uh, let's start with this UFC card because I kind of want to get through it, to be honest, and talk, <laughs> talk about everything else. Um, this Rosenstruck versus Garcia fight. It was funny, right? Because we talked about the, the card last week, and I think a lot of people did as well. It wasn't wasn't exactly rocket science that this was a pretty good uh, fight night card in terms of the um, the fights that were on it, in terms of the quality uh, compared to what we usually see, which is a lower and lower yardstick all the time with a kind of a main event that probably shouldn't be the main event. And I think everyone who made that criticism was absolutely correct. And do you know what the weird thing about it is? The, a bad main event that you know that's going to be a bad main event that turns out to be a bad main event ruins it. Like it ruins the whole event. Even if, like if you're one of those people, and we, we were those people last week saying, ah, oh, this is actually a good event. Tune in for this. It just takes away from it. Now, maybe it shouldn't. If you tuned out after, well, the co-main event wasn't great either, but if you tuned out after uh, after that even, you probably would have said, oh, this wasn't a bad event, some good up-and-comers on it and all of that, but this main event, God you, know, you might be, You might be saying, oh, I wish that Makai of Ferez fight was five rounds. Yeah, exactly, but... Uh, when I when I saw when I saw Gaziev going for a few takedowns early, and you know we always talk about look if the first few takedowns don't work, continue to go for him. I'm like, is there any point in this? It's just, oh my god, he was so bad, and he got one or two, but Rosenstruck never looked in any real danger. Like Rosenstruck has definitely showed improvements throughout his career, and he was punching Gaziev right. I don't think Rosenstruck necessarily looked bad, but Gaziev, God Almighty. You know, what, what, what was the phrase, phrase Michael Bisping used? Uh, oh, God, it wasn't sloppy or it was something anyway. Basically, he said he went for a shitty takedown in, in so many words. Uh, God, it was it was all 
when you think when you think of a sloppy bad you know at number 11 ranked UFC heavyweight fight versus number 13 ranked UFC heavyweight fight this is it this is exactly what it was lads slapping each other uh, over each other sweating rotten hoping the fight would end wishing it wasn't five rounds wishing something else was the main event uh, I don't, as I said, Graham, recently, I don't like to get very negative on this podcast anymore. I like to talk about positives unless we need to. But God almighty, this was fucking shit. Yeah, it wasn't great at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, if you're trying to search for maybe things to pull out of it, maybe you could say that Rosenstruck, you know, he looked a little bit more comfortable with uh, being on his back and, you know, getting back to his feet and not having lost all his ability or all his cardio he got the jab going, the straight shots. Kazayev uh, hung tough for a while, but yeah, it was it was pretty, uh, you know, not good stuff. Indeed, and uh, we'll move on from that. Uh, I I would say Davido Petrino versus Tyson Pedro fight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Tyson better. Pedro, like, uh, you know, he, if it doesn't go his way spectacularly in the first round or if he doesn't get into his groove and, you know, get a finish in the first round, it all just seems to, to fall apart really quickly. And, yeah, after the first round, it wasn't going well. You kind of knew which way this was going. And Petrino did enough. He didn't really, you know, uh, go through the gears and try to, try to you know, put Pedro away. He just kind of cruised to victory. And, you know, Tyson, Tyson Pedro does have, you know, he, he does have power and stuff like that. So maybe it is a good, good idea to play it safe. But, yeah, Petrino, you know, I thought he could have he could have done more and he would have maybe got Tyson Pedro out of there. But it was, in the end, a dominant uh, decision victory. Uh, I tweeted during the fight, uh, Tiago Santos walked so Vitor Petrino could also walk. Uh, and it was a very, <laughs> it was a very Tiago Santos type of uh performance for him look he doesn't look necessarily bad he looks like he can hit hard and everything he's only 11 fights into his career and I, I feel like I've been saying this an awful lot recently we have to give you know these lads chances to, to put that game together because MMA is becoming more and more rushed all the time there's one lad later on who we'll talk about who you know not, really no business in the UFC and there's a lot of lads getting rushed into the UFC and a guy like this who's 11-0 is getting rushed into the you know the top 15 top 20 maybe um when, you know, he could be a good fighter down the line, he's just not there yet. Now, he's a good fighter, but he could be a very good fighter. He could be a championship-level fighter, but not there yet. Um, with that said, though, he did win, as you said, and, and you know, it was... I feel I feel like if we didn't have the main event, we'd be calling this a bad fight, but that main event was so fucking bad that, um, yeah, that uh, this, this one looked good. I, I actually haven't seen the cards for the main event yet. It was, it was a TKO at the end of the uh, the uh, the fourth round. So we we yeah we didn't we probably should have mentioned that. So Kaziev had like I left just the second it was stopped. I just got up and walked out <laughs> your side. I, I I haven't heard any of the chat afterwards or anything, but he couldn't really see or his eye was sore. I think his teeth were like falling out as well because he kept spitting out his mouthpiece. But Goddard stopped it anyway. That's yeah, it. He said something to his corner, and Goddard kind of overheard something, and he said, "I want to know what he just said to you. Yeah. I want to know what he just said." And kind of <laughs> uh, once they wouldn't tell him, and then I think they tried to tell him something, and he, I don't think he believed it. And then he, he the doctor was called in, and I think. Yeah, it was something, uh, uh, the commentators are saying it was maybe he said something to do about not being able to see properly out of one eye or something, so maybe that was all those jabs and, and straight shots, but uh, yeah, it was unclear what the what the exact complaint he had in the corner was, but uh, yeah, I think uh, it was only going one way, and he seemed to 
you know, as you said, he, the the mouth, the mouth, uh, the gum shield had come out, and he was complaining to his corner, maybe, maybe looking for kind of a way out of there. Yeah, uh, I I sometimes get frustrated when Goddard goes full like uh, school principal, but I I really enjoyed it <laughs> this time. I was like, "What did he say? Tell me what he said." That's <laughs> absolutely hilarious. But yeah, you listen, listen now, listen now. What did he say? Tell me what he said. I want to know what he said. I want to know. Translate that shit. But uh, yeah, that that was that anyway. Fair play, uh, fair play to Mark Goddard and not the two lads in, in a minute. Right, the the real fights of the night. Let's say. Um, came in the uh, the flyweight and bantamweight divisions. Ooh, how did uh, you score this? I uh, the Makayev Perez fight. I actually scored a twenty nine twenty eight Perez, but Ooh. I think anything from that to thirty twenty seven Makayev is is fine. Um, <sighs> well, I, I think the first round and the second round are are close rounds, but they're they're you know I think the first round Makayev and the second round Perez are yeah, and all, know, all three judges yeah. scored it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the third round, I think it's what, what, what do you like? You know, Perez kind of, he could have won it, but he did he do enough? Um, Makayev, there were some moments where he did things like he kind of squatted down, nearly sat on the ground going for takedown. It looked really bad, but looking bad and, you know, not really, Perez not really capitalizing on those kind of moments. So, it, you know, I can see why people would say, oh, he looked terrible in that third round, but I think... You know, Makayev might actually just just done enough to win that round because Perez just kind of let him, let him edge it out. Yeah, just a few. Uh, okay, a few things to clear up. Um, so all three judges scored it in uh, nineteen nineteen after two rounds. Uh, myself and Ian both tweeted nineteen nineteen after two rounds. It, both our tweets came up, and Daniel Carmey goes, "Oh, I think people online are looking at it and seeing him falling down and thinking it's knockdowns." And I'm like completely and utterly did not think that in any way or <laughs> I, I scored it for him for Alex uh, Perez do you, do you think he's letting your, your beef uh, cloud his judgment <laughs> I, I, I don't know he probably doesn't know who I but like, historical beef uh, Alex Perez won that round because he elbowed Mikhaev multiple times and he punched him oh, in the they face they were little kind of short little uh, in the second know, round take, I'm talking about the, the second take. round here now oh the second round Sorry, yeah 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 uh, and Makayev just really, really didn't do anything. He kind of he held him against the cage and all of that. And that's the problem when you're a Makayev, right? And it, there's all oh, right. So that's that part down. Daniel Cormier talking absolute nonsense again. Just like he probably wasn't. He was probably looking at his phone during the round when when if, Perez if was he, if he agreed with you, he'd probably be worried though. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. But yeah, so like anyone would since kind of knows what happened there. The, the third round, it was like. The second round and third round are good rounds to look at each other, right? Because you, you're right in what you're saying. Like, did he do enough? That's the question you need to ask about Perez in the second and third. In the, the second, I think most people go, yeah, he did do enough. He landed some nice elbows. He landed a right hand down through the middle at the start and another one at the end. Makayev just didn't do a lot, right? The third round, Makayev also didn't do a lot, but Perez didn't do nearly as much in that third round as he did in the second round. I like for a second round to go right. You definitely did enough to, to take that to a third round to go. Did he do enough? That's that's where you're. You know, it's a toss of a coin, really. That's one where either one could get it. You can't be assured. That's a type of round. If you're Makayev, you didn't throw enough punches to guarantee it. You didn't get enough submissions to guarantee it. If you're Perez, you didn't throw enough punches or enough elbows or go for enough submissions to guarantee it. You can't blame anyone. For picking that round Now The all three judges Their cage side uh, They have the best view of it And they all pick Makayev So I, I definitely side with them I just lean Perez What you lean Makayev Didn't you So Yeah it was one of those rounds It was a real 
Uh, a real, real pick em round, in my opinion. I'm watching it back again. I might score it for, for Mikhaev, but um, I didn't, ha- honestly, I didn't have a great feeling for Perez when I when I was thinking who, who won that. And I was talking to a couple of judges about it, and both of them kind of said the same thing. It's like, yeah, that's that's a 20, 29 28 fight uh, for either man after that. Uh, after that one. Like, even the, like even the second was slightly debatable. Was, it was debatable. You can debate the second, but I think a good judge will give the second to Perez. A good judge will give the first to Mikhaev. And I think, yeah, the third judge, uh, the third round can, can go anyway. So, well, overall, though, yeah. apart from the judge, what, what did you think of Mikhaev's performance? You know, uh, I thought he looked weaker than he usually looks. And I don't, maybe it was Perez, but I don't think it was. I think. I was thinking, you know, maybe there's something has happened here. And then in the in the post fight interview, I believe he said he was sick. So I think, you know, um, he didn't have his best performance. Maybe that was a that was a factor in it. But I think, you know, uh, his striking it just needs a lot of work. Um, if he, if he, you know, he's going to be in trouble if if it, uh, if if he doesn't have the strength advantage and the wrestling advantage and he gets desperate like he did uh, at certain stages in, in this fight with you know ill-advised takedown attempts and putting himself in in front headlocks and things like that against better guys as he goes up the division that's going to cause him a lot of problems but it's hard to know how much you know being sick played into this and how much was Perez who's also you know a very good fighter especially on his day you know he can turn up and he can make it difficult for for anybody but i think you know uh, I saw a lot of people saying, "Oh, if if Makachev wins here and he and he turns around quickly, he can be the youngest UFC champion and all this stuff." I think you know we need to slow it down a little bit. You know, he definitely has a lot of potential and he's he's definitely a difficult matchup for everybody. But he's still young. You know, he's had a lot of fights uh, at amateur and a good few fights at, at pro. But I don't think there's any rush to get him in there against the very top guys because I think if he goes in there against the very tough guys and performs like tonight, it, you know, he's going to be coming out on the, the wrong end of the the decision or the the finish. Yeah, the big problem with that, I suppose, is that, you know, uh, Albazi would have been fighting last week to probably be number one contender. He didn't fight. So Moreno then was probably fighting to be number one contender. He lost. And then Rival won. And he's number one contender. But Rival just lost his last fight against the current champion. So, like, the next guy up is Mikhaev after he won here. So Where's where's Manuel Cape? Is he... Is he booked? Sure, he's missed weight and he's failed mm-hmm. to failed to show up for fights and all of that. You know, Mikhaev is definitely the next guy in line. But I don't. Uh, I don't Kai Kara France. Is he's fought Pantoja already, or, or I can't remember. Look, you can. I suppose we can look up. But like, uh, your point, I think, is still right, though. Even if he is the next guy in line, if you believe it's too early for him, only eleven fights into his career, the same as Petrino we were talking about earlier. Don't don't give him the shot now. Hold, like hold him back until he is right. And that's like the problem with that is the big problem with that is that could take another three to four fights and you there's no holding him back three to four fights if he keeps winning. Like there's just no way the division isn't strong enough at the very, very top. So the you know, they've rushed him before and they've gotten him here. And we talked about the same thing, you know, with, with Aspinall before years ago. Now it worked out a little bit differently for Aspinall um, because of, I suppose, the fight he got and stuff like that. But that this is a, a reoccurring problem with the UFC matchmaking. When you rush a guy at 7-0, and when he comes to 11-0 and and you still want him to improve, it's um, it's a big, big issue. Just on, on the fight itself again... I, you know, I, I, I often, uh, to, to use the Mocha Neelik here, I do be sceptical um, about lads talking about being sick and all when they perform badly. But, and, and you know, ju- just because I'm a bit of a prick. But he, I've never seen Mikhaev 
like go down when it comes to like in and I, I it's not that his cardio looked bad or anything, but I don't think he looked as strong in say the second and third round as he normally would. Like Makai was normally a guy who grows into fights. Uh, I thought here he looked his best in round one, and I thought it was a very mature display in round one. Now I wonder was that because he couldn't go mad because he was sick coming into it, uh, or whether it was planned. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I suppose we'll see the last day, the next day. But either way, look, he got through it. He got the win, and that's all important. And look, if it's if you're talking about he deserves a title shot and it's a little bit too early, that's. That's a good problem to have, I suppose, if you're Mohamed Makayev. So, um, you know, one of these guys as well that he's almost a victim of his own success in, in certain ways. You know, everyone talking about him being the greatest amateur of all time, which, uh, you know, uh, maybe Queenshire or other people would uh, have a better knowledge of that than me. But he's right up there. If he's not the, the greatest, he's probably top three or four. Um, and everyone expected an awful lot of him and he's won every fight so far some of them haven't looked amazing but still you know he's won them all and people expect more every single time and um, they'll be expecting even more what's to say he couldn't go in and beat Rival like Rival uh, I, yeah, I, like I, I agree with all this but I think if you look at his game you know you can see that there still is work to be done especially on the striking definitely. you know I think uh, maybe a fight like this will and the matchmakers will look at it and think, you know, or maybe we need to, you know, if he had gone out there and dominated and finished in the first round, and uh, you know, maybe he would have been put into a title shot. But maybe this will actually, in the long run, you got out there, your record's still undefeated, you won, but you you have things to go back to the gym and work on. The UFC might, you know, uh, not give you the, a title shot that they might have given you if you had a, had a spectacular win. So maybe in the long run for his long his long-term success and his chances of, of winning and his, his first uh, UFC title shot in the future, if he is to get one, uh, would be increased. So, yeah, I think, you know, um, he's been long kind of touted as a, a, a potential champion, but I think, you know, what is he, like 22, 23 years old? He, it's it's a big ask, you know, it's, it's, it's a, let me just check his age because sometimes you, you've been following these guys for a while and you, you think that you think they're, I saw the lad so, saying, yeah, twenty twenty three years old. You know, twenty three years old is so young in MMA. Like you know, yeah. for us, he's been around a long time. It's easy to forget. You know, we, we've been hearing about him since what, like, since he started dominating um, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. You know, um, there's just no rush with these guys. If you want, if you're a fan of these guys and you want these guys to have the best chance at like fulfilling their potential. Yeah, I saw. I think the lads were saying on the, the Patreon group that he's too old now for if if it happened like next week or something, he would be the youngest champion. But at three oh one, it's not going to happen. So that's a that's a bit unfortunate for him. But look, I, I, the weird thing about this, right? It's a touchy subject, okay. And I was talking about it on the Q and A this week, where there's a lot more maybe understanding people that then no one be listening to this. Although the listeners of this are pretty understanding too, right? And it was, I was talking about um, Brandon Moreno. And uh, people are talking about like, oh, he's downfall. He's lost a few in a row now. And I said a phrase that I I never like saying, right? And if you take it kind of out of context, it can sound really bad, right? And the phrase I said was, was he ever really that good, right? Now, what I mean by that is, was he ever really like a championship defending level fighter? Right, he got up to the championship. He met a guy in Davidson Figueredo who he was a really bad matchup for. He drew at him. He beat him. He lost to him. He, you know, he won one more fight. Then he lost, and now he's kind of continued to lose. Yeah, like that's yeah. that doesn't mean he's not a good fighter. That just doesn't mean he is the 
the obvious championship level fighter. Now, what I mean, and what, why I say that right here with Makayev is the same thing could be said for Pantoja, right? So just because we're talking about Makayev getting to that level, right? And now Pantoja is actually really good, a, a way better record than people give him credit for, and we, I will give him credit as well. But like, the thing is, right? Out of all those lads, I think Makayev is probably one that could get the title and could hold it for four or five fights. Not yet, as you said, a lot of things to improve on. But if let, let's even forget about the, the striking for a minute. If the striking improves a little bit, but if he can get his wrestling going where he's taking everyone down, if he can get fit and stay fit, he could be an absolute nightmare for everyone at the top of that division. You know, and that's that's why why I like to just hold it back a little bit when we're talking about some of these guys, and then you know some of the guys, you know certain guys like Makayev. We need to talk about them like they're beating some of these guys while being young, while being eleven and all after fucking tearing his ACL or whatever he did eight or nine months ago or whenever it was. You know, it's there are levels to this game at times too and sometimes we get a lot all taken away by the gold and the the straps and the championship fights and everything like that yeah. but what do you think bro? yeah like I just on the Moreno kind of Pantoja thing you know I, I think I think a part of it is even though Demetrius Johnson hasn't fought in you know many years in the UFC and he hasn't fought in many years even at flyweight so the 125 uh, pounds limit uh, the fact that he, he was kind of unceremoniously uh, traded and, you know, the fact that you're looking even at when Figueredo, you know, there was glimpses, oh, maybe he could, you know, if he, if he fought Demetrius yes. Johnson, he could do well. And then there was times where you're just like, ah, no chance. And, and you know, Moreno, if, if he went up against DJ, I think, you know, yeah. obviously DJ's in a different promotion. He's in a different division. You know, he's probably extremely unlikely to ever fight in the UFC again. So people might say, oh, why are you even talking about him? But I think it, it comes into your point about maybe people not believing that, like, you know, somebody like Moreno when he was champion or uh, Pantoja now uh, as champion is really the best in the world. Yeah, it's, and like... The same could be said for for uh, DDP at the moment, right? So he became champion by beating Strickland, who like is not the best middleweight in the world. Like, okay, Strickland did become champion. No, right? I, I think that's different. I think Do that's think different because so? there isn't somebody who's just like you know out there who's just no, like, there isn't. You know, fairness. been stripped of his title basically and sent off to the to the other side of the world in, in a trade of Ben Askren. You know, it's. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Sean Strickland put on an amazing performance and took the title. You know, so it I is. think that's different. But I agree. But there's a there's a difference between and this this is probably a speaker's corner rather than a severe man podcast. But there's a difference between being the champion and being the best. I tr- like I truly believe that, and I believe that for a long time. Like I, uh, I I think a lot of guys probably don't deserve to be ranked at the top of the rankings even when they are champion I think there's sometimes and not, not all the time but sometimes that does happen um, and like as well, to your point as well when there isn't like a clear number one guy right um, a lot of the guys are like we saw we've seen a light everywhere we saw the welterweight after GSP we've seen it other, other times as well the belt is kind of just handed around all the time and it's you know being re- so being ready for the level of Aldo being ready for the level of GSP, being ready for the level of Anderson or John Jones or Steve Miocic is a lot different from being ready for the level of Pantoja or for, uh, you know, the level of Johnny Hendricks or the level of, you know, who, whoever it might be or, you know, uh, uh, Duplessis or whatever it might be. And 
it's it, that's a tough conversation to have because it feels like I'm disrespecting and we're disrespecting the champion at the moment. It's absolutely not that. Like they could become that. There's absolutely no. You know, if if Duplessis goes and wins these next two or three fights, he will have become one of those, and then that conversation changes, right? But when you are an up and comer in one of those divisions. It's, it's sometimes we can fall into the trap of saying, oh, he's not ready for him. But, like, if if Pantoja wasn't a champion, right, if he was just the number four-ranked guy, he beat Alex Perez in this fight, would Mikhaev versus Pantoja be normal matchmaking? Would it be good matchmaking in the next fight? I think it probably would be, Graham. Do you think so? Yeah, well, like, it, it kind of, like, you know, for me, if you, for example, you mentioned Anderson Silva, if you took Anderson Silva away, you just, he, he just got, like, you know, fell out with the UFC and was was erased from history, like like others, um, during his, you know, instead of being, like, one of the winningest, as they say, uh, champions in, in the UFC history, if they hadn't removed him, there would have been probably, you know, uh, five or six champions maybe or even more during that period because the guys below were at a certain level and a similar level and Anderson was at just a completely different level where he would just clown these guys uh, usually or just be on a completely you know able to toy with them mess around or just or just knock them out quickly but if he had been removed from the situation then you know uh, the level of what great changed yeah yeah exactly exactly you're right you're you're 100 right you are yeah but because that, and I think we're actually, we're, both of us have come to the same point here because the level of greatness here, right? So from let's say we talk about Mikhaev, right? And let's say the level of greatness, let's have, let's have a, a greatness level between 1 and 20, right? Demetrius Johnson was at a greatness level of 20. So for Mikhaev to reach the greatness level of 20, it's taken off a lot. But Pantoja might only be at the greatness level of like 9 now, right? So if Mikhaev, it's a lot easier to reach nine than it is to reach 20, isn't it? So, like, I don't know, it's one of them. But anyway, maybe, as I said, maybe that is a speaker's corner. Maybe it's a longer discussion. But that was, that was a good discussion. I hope people enjoy that. Anyway, fair play to Mikhaev if you won. Uh, Umar Nurmagomedov, Graham, against uh, Bexat Al-Machen. Um, beautiful shot by uh, by Al-Machen yeah. to, to start off the fight. Dropped it was Magomedov. a weird one, though, wasn't it? It was like, it, was, it yeah. kind of, it looked originally like a mist. Uh, I, in real time, I thought he missed, and then you saw never made a fall. You're like, oh, he obviously didn't miss. And then afterwards, he was saying, oh, he kind of woke up and was was kind of in top position. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it obviously had a lot more of a damage than it, it originally looked, and you know, obviously that was kind of the only success he had, and you know. Um, uh, you know, Nurmagomedov basically took over from there and dominated. But yeah, it was a it was a bit of an oh shit moment for a second when uh, when he went down. It reminded me a little bit. Okay, here's a wild one now. But do you remember Junior Dos Santos, Mark Hunt, where Dos Santos threw that wheel kick and it looked like it didn't hit him at all, but it kind of like his calf clipped the top of Mark Hunt, Mark Hunt's head and Mark Hunt just kind of fell over. It was a little Stumbled drunkenly and fell over. Yeah, it was a little bit, the, the fall over, but the actual landing of the shot was a little bit like that. It looked like it, looked like it didn't hit him or just kind of glanced off him, but it, it was a clubbing, clubbing blow, I would say. It was a lovely shot. Like, um, uh, Al Macken is, is a very good uh, fighter. I don't know if you saw this week. There was a a bit of controversy over uh, over his record, and uh, Jay Petri and the guys in Sherdog did a deep dive into it and did a great job. Um, but like he comes from Kazakhstan, where they have like this, I would say MMA adjacent sport, um, where it's basically MMA, but after thirty seconds they send you up type of thing. And maybe there's a couple of different rules, but he had a lot of like he like 
12 of those fights, I think, which he won. Uh, but all those sure, fights... Sure, that, that sounds like an MMA fight with Herb Dean. And, and <laughs> one, one yeah. But uh, a lot of those fights have been taken away, so he's... But uh, And uh, um, I think Jay made a great point of pointing out this doesn't mean he's not a real fighter. Like, those are real fights. They're just under um, a different rule set. And he's a very, what very good What was the guy fighter. a few years ago who fought uh, Menafield? And he was yeah, like, yeah. He, he, just, like, he was different he, now, yeah. Changed his name and all and, and made <laughs> yeah. up events and like photoshopped himself onto fight posters and stuff. Uh, yeah, that's a very different situation. <laughs> but it's, it's like it, it must be hard though when you're fighting that. Let's say you fought that rule set 10 times like him and you're fighting fucking Nurmagomedov. There's no one, there's, there's no one standing you up after 30 seconds against him. Like, I'm sure he wishes there was, but yeah, it's years it's ago. Tough. There was the, the, all the French fighters had to fight with no like ground strikes yes. and there were certain rules and it was kind of sketchy about whether, whether those were on records. And I, I think like some of them were on and some of them weren't it was it was kind of strange but it, yeah like you said it's not a case of somebody just completely fabricating it's uh, fights it's kind of a dispute about whether these fights should count on a professional MMA record or not yeah 100% but um, look he he fought well and he went to a decision with, with Umar who uh, who's one of the top 135 pounders in the world he called out uh, Corey Sandhagen that's a fight I'd like to see to be honest um, 17 and 0 now for Umar so is that the first time anybody's ever called out Corey Sandhagen I don't know because <laughs> it's just like everybody just forgets he even exists and calls yeah. out everybody else in the division <laughs> Is Corey Sandhagen the best fighter that doesn't really exist in the world? Yeah, like uh, I hear people there? talking about like title pictures and who's going to be next, and like he just like no matter what he does, he just never seems to be even mentioned. Did, and he beat Cheeto Vera, who's fighting next week, didn't he? I'm, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, not yeah, too this long is ago. Full, though, this is full. This rematch. This is like yeah, it wouldn't be happening if, yeah. if it wasn't for that. At least Bilal Muhammad, like he's kind of a ghost as well. But at least we hear him giving out on Twitter, like you know. Uh, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I'm looking through. At, at least he's kind of like an even running joke, but I'm happy. Yeah. People just don't even <laughs> mention Sandhagen ever. Yeah, that's that's very true. He must be up there. But uh, yeah, I'd like to see him fight that. Umar is not ranked at the moment, is he? Let me just look here. Oh, he is number 13. Uh, he must be, yeah. yeah, I don't know if he's going to get that much of a jump up. See, I see our old friend Figueredo there is number 8. I'd like that. That'd be a good fight. Umar versus Figueredo. Umar fighting a lot of them lads would be a good fight. Oh, what about Umar versus Henry Cejudo? That'd be a fucking good fight. I'd like to see that. Let's make that happen. Yeah. Then he shows you. <laughs> For Cejudo. Yeah. 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 Is he retired or is he? Oh, he is came he, back he there. Not. No, he didn't bother to retire. Yeah, no, he actually didn't yeah. retire, to be fair. You wouldn't let him retire. You wouldn't let him. So he's just like, all right, fair enough. Nah, fuck you. We don't have time. We're not retired. We keep going, so no problem. Uh, all right. The next fight Steve Ersig versus. Who's, who's, who is Steve Ersig fighting, Graham? Ooh, Matt Snell. Go on, give us another bit. Go on, match. Can't you smell that smell? Ooh, Matt Snell. <laughs> Poor old Matt Snell. Poor old Matt Snell got hit with a beautiful left hook. Um, Rampage Jackson Vanderlei Silva style. Poor yeah. he was eating crisp, crisp shots. And was. Like it was like, geez, he's taking these well, but <laughs> there's only so long you can take you can take them. And he started showing the the blood on his face, and you know he he did land a few combos of his own. Lovely shots, yeah. Yeah, but it just. Yeah, like I said, it's only so long you can take sharp, straight shots in the face before before it's going to go downhill. Yeah, definitely. Like Ersek is one of these guys as well. Uh, in the 125 pound division, as we just mentioned, there's a lot of lads kind of uh, having negatives alongside their names at the moment. He's a guy if he goes in there, gets a quick turnaround, wins another fight or two, he could be right up towards the the top of those rankings. Let's just have a quick look here. Um, you know, Chanel is ranked number nine. Ersek was. 12 you would think he'll definitely be in the top 10 if not at number 9 like Makayev's at number 8 
So like you know, if it's not Makayev, maybe it is Ursig, you know, but maybe not. But I'd like to see him in there with someone, say like a, I don't know, maybe like a Nicola or maybe, him versus Cape would be a fun fight if Cape would will will fight. But um, yeah, definitely want to uh to keep uh, an eye on there. Has he has he fought Tim Elliott yet? I don't think he has. And I think so. That'd be fun for you. Let's, uh, let's, let's make it happen. Your boy, uh, your boy. I was going to say your boy, but it's your boy. Your boy, Eric Anders, uh, <laughs> beat uh, Jamie Pierce. Yeah, it, it was a decent first round for him, but you know, a good first round for him. But I just always had the feeling, even though it didn't happen, that you know, after seeing so many of his fights where it's all going so well and then it all falls apart, but uh, Jamie Pickett just kind of he made it kind of a bit easy easy for him um he got taken down he's kind of happy enough to to lose from that position it seemed um i think he mma retired afterwards as well so maybe yeah looking forward to his next one yeah yeah so maybe he's his heart maybe you know they say when you have retirement on your mind it's not the it's not the it's not ideal anyway but uh yeah i think um i think Jamie Pickett probably you know, if you had a pull on the pressure and really went for it, we've seen Eric Anders in later rounds slow down and kind of everything fall apart. But in fairness to him, he looked strong. Uh, cardio issues didn't seem to be there. He didn't blow his load and, you know, just kind of leave himself a sitting duck, which, which we've seen him do. So, yeah, very good win for him. Um, he, You know, for an inconsistent guy, he's looked a bit better recently. So, uh, yeah, fair play to him. Eric Anders is a weird one, right? Because he's supposed to be this fucking phenomenal athlete coming out of American football and all. I, 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 I don't know, I just don't see it. I, I feel like we just say he's a good athlete, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think he necessarily is. Anyway, we'll... Yeah, Jamie Pickett he's a bit Rogers, stiff. He's a bit he stiff. He is a bit stiff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe it's injuries from football as well. Maybe that's it. But Tyson Pedro also retired, so I'm looking forward to seeing his. Maybe Pedro versus Pickett might be the fight to make next. Although uh, Pickett's down at 185. <laughs> yeah. Catch weight. Catch, Catch uh, weight on retirement. Uh, Loser stays in town. <laughs> <laughs> no winner says in a bottom center. They want to retire after it. Loser uh, has to fake retire again. Indeed. Uh, the next fight was a, a knockout of the year contender where Vinicius Oliveira knocked out uh, Bernardo Sophai. Uh, I had Philip O'Connor on to me after this saying, I can't believe that they put this young lad uh, into uh, into this fight in the UFC. And I understand that. I was, I was looking at his record and he lost to uh, Francisco Nuzzi a couple of fights back who was in the PFL. Uh, Europe last year and I'm thinking split decision though yeah that's you know. it's a, not, a little bit early again We look it's a reoccurring team there's lads getting to the UFC just a little bit early and look he's, he's a type of fighter you look at him and yeah, he, he showed some good things early didn't absolutely. he not, like, you know? absolutely yeah. he has all the skills but he just has to put it together and like he needs another 10 fights to put it together to be able to fight to a level in the UFC where people won't attack him like this you know who won't just kind of stay in there wait for him to tire and then take him apart like veterans 23 fights into his career like Oliveira with a good record you know 20 and 3 it's just it's going to be tough like the, the problem with him is what's the name of your man um, your man Ron, they used to train with Ronda Rousey the middleweight oh god uh, come on Graham what's his name anyway that lad yeah the the Oh, I can't remember his name. But that whoever everyone knows who I'm talking about anyway. And he like he got beat a few times. He was a real good prospect coming through, a real good boxer, like eight and all ten and all, whatever his name was. Whatever yeah. And he got he lost once in a certain way. And then everyone attacked him in that certain way again. And I feel like the same could be the same for this Sopage guy. So it's not great. 
to get signed yeah. to the UFC too. You know, he is very young. He does have a lot ahead of him, but taking a vicious, like, you know, it's a beautiful knockout. He runs over, he's jumping, flying knee. But, uh, you know, on the other side of it, it was brutal. You know, it, it, it took a while for him to come around and, uh, you know, uh, kind of what Phil was saying to you, um, was it really necessary to have him in this fight? Obviously, uh, hindsight is a great thing. When you get knocked out like that, it's easy to say no, but, um, you know, the UFC offer you a fight. You're going to take it. The UFC matchmakers have a lot of fights to put on. You know, uh, if you're not like a huge prospect, they're not really these days taking care of you, maybe the the way they used to uh, kind of, you know, dipping your your foot, <laughs> dipping your foot in before throwing you in the deep end like this. But, uh, you know, uh, that's exactly probably, it. Though. Myself and Harry did a, a speaker's corner on it that came out on, on Friday and we were talking about that like the UFC is is just a mess in that way like you know you need you need your matchmakers to be people who will go to Sapage and go here you're just you're just not ready yet lad you know give us a few more fights and then do it and I know they do do that but like it feels like they do that to people who fucking are ready the likes of Paul Hughes and other people like <laughs> I was just thinking that you know, yeah I was just thinking like you know uh, it's, it's, it's a sign of of too many shows and not enough matchmaking staff Correct. where, you know, constantly over the last few years or especially the last year or two, we've been, we've been saying, uh, you know, if only they kind of had to taken care of this guy or they hadn't rushed this guy or this matchup doesn't make any sense. And, you know, in fairness to the matchmakers, there is a lot going on and there is only, you know, two of them. Um, I, I wouldn't blame them much at all I just think it is the situation There probably needs to be five of them Not two of them Like are You know guys with different jobs There probably yeah. needs to be Like it used to be Sean Shelby was like 125, 135 and 145 I think it was And then you know He just had to stick to three divisions And there was probably You know uh, High teens or 20 20 Low low 20 shows In a year So you had a lot more time To kind of You know Figure things out Now there's what 40, 44, 44 shows. Is it forty five shows around that, a yeah. year? Yeah, you know, uh, there's more divisions now with the women's divisions having come in and all that. It's, it, there's there's more fighters on the roster than ever, I, I think, or close to it anyway. And there's still just you know the same matchmaker. So it makes sense that when when you you give a, a shitload more work to to people that they're you know. They're not going to be able to do it as efficiently and well as, but like, as before. Do you know what they're trying to do? And Dana White was talking about the opening the, the Mexican PI the other day. And he was talking about, well, look, we're going to get all the best fighters from Mexico, train them up and bring them into the UFC. That's smart, right? But that's something that soccer teams have been doing for years. Like, I'm sure Liverpool have a, a guy in, in uh, you know, South America looking at people. I'm sure they have a guy in, you know, maybe one guy doing Spain and Italy, another guy scouts. doing, yeah, you scouts, know. Yeah. Exactly, scouts all over the place. It'd be very easy for the UFC to do that. And I know kind of managers do that for the UFC now, but I actually think they need to employ people to do it. Like, you know, all they'd need is four or five guys, really, like around the world. You could have one person covering the whole of, of Europe. It'd be a tough job. There's a lot of fights in Europe, but it's it's possible for someone to do that. And, you know, you, uh, I'm sure New Zealand, Australia type, you could have one person for there and one person for Brazil and Argentina and those regions, maybe. Like... They have bits and pieces of that, but like it feels like the matchmakers have been that down through the years. You know, you've talked to Sean Shelby in the past, and we've heard him talking about watching Cage Warriors fights and watching LFA fights and other things like that. Is, is, is that true anymore, though? I was just like, you know, does he have time to watch all these shows? You know, when I was talking to him, this probably 10 years ago or nearly 10 years ago at this stage, 
and he would, you know, he would have been watching everything. I'd be talking to him about European fights. He would have seen them, you know, any fight that was available to see, he would know what I'm talking about. He would know the fighters. Nowadays, you know, the fact that Paul Hughes hasn't been signed, you know, will, will lead me to believe that he's, you know, he's he doesn't have the time to, or he doesn't have the patience or the, the passion maybe that he used to because of the workload being just too heavy. Um, I think a lot of people, as well, you know, obviously, people criticize McManard that like, a lot, I heard, I've heard a lot of fighters and different people saying, you know, that Mick Maynard is not, uh, you know, he's not as good as what Joe Silva was. He's not as good as Sean Shelby. I think that might be a bit of a problem as well. I don't like, I don't like to single anyone out, but like I've heard a lot of that criticism and, you know, I wonder, I wonder is that part of it too? And maybe there's a growing frustration because of that and maybe isn't yeah. as, you know. We've been saying for at least five years that they need to get Ian Dean in, so I'll just... Say that again, I suppose. That's true, 100%. Um, all right, well, uh, the, uh, the whole problem is... Oh, well no, that would be card. a huge blow to Cage Warriors would, as well, yeah. so it is a, a catch-22. Maybe you could do both, like, because Cage Warriors are kind of like... The UFC are kind of like that, Yeah, maybe not, maybe not. Um, look, we said a, a major problem with this card was how it was organised, and I think that was true because, like, the, the same as a happy Bachelor fight, we'll talk about that in a second, it was a very good fight. That should have been the, maybe the co-main event... Ludovic Klein probably should have been up, although that was a bit of a squash match, but the like grabs about fight as well. If anyone's seen him in PFL, they know how good of a kind of a, a fighter he is. Like, uh, I, I just think this fight was, this fight card was, was muddled in the weirdest way, and it could have been so much better if they had just changed things around. But anyway, we, we talked about that But it's last not week. even weird anymore. It's just, it's this is how it is usually. You're just like, why is this fight here? This fight should be here. You know, he... he I used to be able to guess pretty much, you know, down to one or two fights when, when you, if you, if years ago, somebody had given you a randomized 100%. fight card, you'd be able to put it in pretty good order, like 80, 90%, 100% even. Nowadays, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be confident even in who's the main event and who's the co-main event and, you know, who's even on the main card and all that stuff. So yeah. there's a happy yeah. Bashar fight was the clearest example of that. Like, or is there any fight in this card even close to being as good as that? And like we all said it last week, <laughs> coming into it, like that—that's that's the fight on the card. Like the, the main event should have obviously been Makayev and Perez because of that was the one fight that meant something in terms of title shots. But Bashar Tahavi was was the highest level of fighter. And look, we we leave that aside. What a great fight it was, though. Like uh, Bashar, I funny I tweeted it before the decision came out, but Bashar has this problem right where again, like he's maybe not. An a, he's definitely not an A-plus athlete or maybe not even a B athlete, but I think he's a very intelligent guy who throws all the right things. Who, like I was, I was kind of watching him and seeing how he sets things up a little bit and seeing how he throws a, a certain shot out there and he won't throw that same shot that for like another five goes around, you know, in terms of combinations. He's just so smart. But the problem with that is... When you land those shots and they're not having a massive effect, what happens in the second round can happen to you and you'll get hit hard and lose a round. And I think Zahabi is actually kind of one of those fighters as well. He's not as good as an all-around technical fighter as Basharat, but he has a little bit more power than him, or a lot more power maybe as he showed in the first, but he's also intelligent enough to kind of save himself. So if there's someone intelligent enough to save himself from taking like a raw beating off Basharat or from taking a you know, a big takedown into, you know, losing three minutes of of the fight in half guard or something like that. 
there's going to be a problem for Basher at the higher he goes up. And I didn't, I didn't think it, it was maybe be shown completely tonight, but it, but it was. Zahabi ended up winning it. It was a debatable enough decision. I think it was a, it was a close fight, but I, I wouldn't disagree with the judges. I think they probably got it right. Pretty, pretty good high level stuff though, Graham. I enjoyed this fight an awful lot. Did, uh, did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, you know, Zabi kind of took over the fight as it went on, kind of figured him out a little bit. But uh, Basharat's like his striking is very good. But I think I don't know if you know what I mean when I say this. But he kind of leaves his head in in strange positions for just like a split second too long at times, and yeah. it's just kind of he has his, his head in awkward positions where it looks like oh you're leaving yourself exposed here, and you know most of the time he got away with it. But yeah, I think that's. I don't know what I'd have to look back at his other fights to see if he's if, if he's doing that. But that's something I noticed in in this fight where he just kind of left himself in a, a few awkward positions for a tick too long. And Zahabi, you know, obviously Zahabi has been around a long time and he, he's kind of you know had a bit of an up and down UFC career. But he's 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 a tough guy to look good against, and he, he's a guy who kind of you know has uh, hung in there and and won fights that maybe looked like he wasn't going to win before and that's what we saw here again and Basharat I think you know after that first round he probably you know he probably thought he was going to have it all his own way and I think I think maybe a little bit of tiredness kicked in I don't know if it was if it was from the output of the first round or or, or what it was but I think the cardio of Zahabi was better and that's what led to him eking out the the next two rounds and winning yeah. the decision, which is a, you know, maybe the better fighter didn't, the better technical fighter didn't win on the, on the day, but the right fighter won. It's funny too, like Zahabi's only 11 and 2 in his career. If, feels like he's 30 fights or something. He's actually less fights than, uh, than Basharat, but he's been well rested between those fights as well. He's, you know, been selective enough about it. So, you know, a very smart and uh, he moves forward now in, in that division. I'm looking forward to seeing what he, what he does next. Yeah. You um, know, he got, he got knocked out badly with the spinning back elbow and lost the next fight after that, after taking a while off. And he kind of seems to, you know, have gone back to the drawing board and come back with, you know, uh, uh, a bit of vengeance. You know, he come back to prove that he belongs. And he's, you know, when you're when you're in the UFC and everybody's talking about all oh, your brother and TriStar and all this stuff, it probably is like you know you want to prove yourself that you're not just there because because of that. And he definitely has proven that at this stage. You know, on, on the second, his kind of second run in the UFC, even though he was always in the UFC. You know, that, that's a long enough break, nearly two years in there before the Draco Rodriguez victory. So. Yeah, I think um, he's never going to be a world beater. He's probably never going to even, you know, get to a number one contender fight. But he's a good kind of uh, stepping stone fight or a good kind of proving fight for for up and comers. And unfortunately for Basharat, yeah, he he got a. he got out uh, game planned and out cardio. Indeed, hundred um, percent. Ludovic Klein was in a, a crush crush match, a squash match against um, Ian Gary's first cousin, AJ McKee, and he won that pretty handily. And then Like Rabzabov had a very good back and forth fight against El Salawi. Like Rabzabov is one of these guys, he's he's been in a lot of fights and he's taken a lot of damage and he, he can hurt people and he can be hurt himself and he's just in for fun fights all the time, but that was a good win for him. But uh, last thing here off this card, Christian Leroy Duncan, 
first thing I have to mention was Daniel Cormier just outing himself again as someone who has never done research. Oh, Christian Leroy Duncan, I've never seen him this aggressive. Has he ever been this aggressive before? <laughs> like, <laughs> this guy was the champion in cage. He's, doing, he's doing exactly what he does and knocking, knocking lads out in like 30 seconds. And even India was here. Yeah, as you said, he came out one of his fights and he was so aggressive that he fucking sh- shit the bed in terms of cardio and nearly died in the middle of the game. Like, come on, Daniel. Jesus Christ. But anyway, uh, Christian Ari Duncan looked very good. He he tore Ribeiro apart with jabs and everything in, in the first round. Ribeiro probably would have got a yellow card if this was on championship. Uh, I text Ian during rounds. I was like, Christian Ari Duncan should go for a takedown here. And the first thing he does goes out, gets a takedown. Uh, when, when it's such a static standing target like that, you know they're going to move a bit in the second round. And the second they move, just dip under, take him down. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, and he destroyed him on the ground, finished him with ground upon. So a great uh, turnaround for Christian Gary Duncan. And what, do you know what this man needs? He needs fights. He needs another three or four fights this year. And he needs experience. He needs to get better. And that's possible in 185 in the UFC. And that uh, sky's the limit for Christian Gary Duncan. He's, he's that good. So looking forward to seeing, uh, seeing that. Right. Let's talk about one... Uh, 166 This was uh, a, f- a fascinating uh, Intriguing Crazy card From uh, from top to bottom If people uh, If people haven't seen it We're going to talk about The uh, the mixed martial arts today We leave the Muay Thai And all that I did a A, a review of it over on Sherdog I actually I don't know if it's out yet But it will be out at some stage uh, But there was uh, There was plenty of uh, Plenty of, of stuff on it anyway uh, But there was three Title fights Just quickly before the, the Three title fights um, Arjan Buller And Amir Ali Barry ended in a red card to uh, Arjun Buller. As, <laughs> as, two yellows, and, uh, two yellows and a red. Two, I wasn't. It was actually three yellows and a red. Well, yeah, two yellows and then a red. Yeah, two yellows and then a red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, Buller basically did nothing for the whole time. In the end, I thought it was a little bit harsh. Like Amir Ali Barry was landing a few shots in the second and third round, but uh, <laughs> that, that was basically that. Yeah, it was. It wasn't one of those where you're just like, here, mate. Like, come on, you're yeah. just using the fight. He was just getting kind of battered and he was trying to hang in there and he was you know wait for his opening it was a bit ridiculous like timidity on your record looks bad but i think it's unfair yeah i agree with you yeah uh it was weird though uh the other mma fight was strawberry fight between kerry yamikita and jeremy miado um yamikita was striking a bit with him oddly because he's a very good wrestler but he didn't win for a quick takedown uh herb was again a bit odd in this there was fin scrap herb kept roaring fin scrap i'm not sure who was grabbing the fins to be honest there was punches to the back of the head then but i don't think they were actually punches to the back of the head miado got back up there was a desperate ankle pick takedown from yamikita and then he won via bulldog choke so nice win for him there and then we had the top three fights uh let's talk about brooks versus Passio first graham so this fight is an easy uh, one to break down yeah they had, to, they had to wake him up and tell him he was a champion yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly uh, no no spoilers here but he, they did exactly um brooks went uh straight in for a takedown grappled a lot quicker than he did last time took the back picked him up spiked him on his head right then he landed a few shots of ground upon, finished the fight. Herb Dean finished the fight. He went away and celebrated, and then he turned around, and Herb Dean was like, no, you actually spiked him on the head. That's illegal. You're now being disqualified. You have lost the fight. So my thoughts on that are like, that's that's not Brooks's fault. That's a Herb Dean error. Herb Dean did not call the spike. He left the fight go. The fight ended. 
if you think okay actually hold on i made an error we have to we have to go back over that that's a no contest that's absolutely no contest you can't go back in time re-ref the spike say it's a dq you did not give it as a dq at the time you let the fight go the fight went in and it got finished if her wanted to stop it after the spike and check on Passio and see if he could continue. If he couldn't continue, DQ him. No problem. Absolutely. But he did not do that. He let the fight go. And I think I think this is very tough on Brooks. I don't think he deserves the last fight DQ here. I think this should be uh, no contest. What, what was your thoughts on it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if the rules are any different over there. But if it was if it was the normal rules, then it seems really unfair on Brooks. Well, you know, it, the, the rules are different. Yeah, you... You can't spike like you can't. What what Brooks did was illegal in under yeah. the one championship rules. Yeah, I think it's illegal anyway to spike people on their head. Is it? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I don't know if there's any different rules about the the replay or anything, but it seems like yeah, if you didn't stop it in that moment, like you said, and go to the replay, and you know the guy can't continue, or there is some damage from that, or you know uh, things like that. So it does seem like. Herb Dean made the wrong call. Then somebody told him, oh, you spiked on his head. And then Herb Dean, you know, <laughs> somehow instead of calling it a no contest, uh, yeah, it makes no sense, you know. Um, I, have no I have no problem with them relitigating it. Like, if they want to do that, if they see they make a mistake. But if you made a mistake, yeah. it has to be a no contest. Like, Yeah, yeah. The, the only way it would be a disqualification for a victory would be if he had stopped it immediately on the spike and the spike had of, you know, uh, made... Uh, him not able to continue or done, you know, serious damage. So, uh, you know, I, I think in the end, you know, they, they fought before Brooks won, so now it's one each and, you know, it probably end up being, a, 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 you know, a, a immediate rematch, no-brainer, and probably be a bigger fight than it was. But I do think yeah, Herb Dean messed up with the not stopping it when the spike happened and not making it a no contest. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. Yeah, and let's do the third fight. They probably would have done the third fight anyway, so... Let's uh let's do it. Um <clears throat> the comment event then was uh Tankai versus Tan Lee. Again, we had yellow cards in this one. Warranted at the start. Yellow was, cards uh, each, was it at the each, same time? Yeah, yeah. Each. Uh, multiple warnings. Um <laughs> you know Yeah, this was uh, again, I think, you know uh, the yellow card thing I, I don't really like anyway, but I can accept it if it's just you know, if guys are refusing to engage and it's just ridiculous, but to just be giving out yellow cards all the time, stopping the, the fight for timing out the fight to do this, it's just so the, it's the, the weirdest part about this right is these two lads fought before and it was a very, very, very similar fight, except the other way around. Like, uh, in this one, Tan Lee was fighting off the back foot and kind of waiting in the last one. Uh, uh, Tang Kai was fighting off the back foot and throwing a few leg kicks and kind of just waiting but there was no, as far as I remember I watched it the other day there was no yellow cards in that one um, but yeah look there was yellow cards in the first round this was a technical battle like this was, was like yeah, you know this fight. wasn't this wasn't you know oh I'm trying to not engage because I've you know uh, because I think I'm up you know yeah. or I'm, I'm going to win the fight if I just circle away it, it, fair enough if, if something like that happens I can understand the yellow card or whatever but They've already sure. fought five rounds against each other as well, like yeah. you know. And you're stopping the flow of the fight constantly as well. Like it's just, uh, it's really annoying. Yeah, no, I'm not a big fan either. To be honest, I don't, everyone knows I'm a big fan of, you know, people getting hurried up. Like it's grand to have them in your no, back, there was, back no, was, was it this event as well, or it was some event over the weekend? I think where the the ref kept. Uh, 
separating them really quickly when they when they clinched against the fence. What what event was that? Not remember? sure, actually. I don't know. I don't, I don't think. Uh, it was. Anyway, it was it was just way too quick. You know, um, I think it might have been Herb Dean again. He, he's everywhere these days, but uh, I can't. Like the fight isn't coming to me. But uh, like I'm I'm kind of against breakups unless guys are literally just refusing to to try anything, you know, for extended periods of time. Just breaking up the fight and restarting in different positions or breaking the flow even and the momentum and the just everything is just it's just it, it doesn't make for better fights and it's just annoying for the fans as well. hundred percent. And like when you said it's a tactical battle, it really was because Lee came out, as I said, he was attacking in the first fight and uh uh Kai was was the was the one got off the back foot. The opposite here. Lee also came out as a southpaw. So in the second round he was like trying to set up his right he was trying to switch into Orthodox and set up the right hand to kind of catch Tang Kai uh, slipping or whatever so that was a real interesting technical battle for obviously the two of them haven't been in the first fight but for anyone who'd watched the first fight as well um, and it was yeah you kept thinking about a yellow card in and it was, it was you know it was it but the left hook by Kai in the second round was the you know the biggest shot up until up until that he bloodied uh, the nose of of, uh, of Tan Lee the right uh, hand by Lee late was good as well it bloodied the nose of Tan Kai so it was a, it was a, it was a good fight overall and round three then Lee landed some leg kicks uh, it was a lovely combo by uh, by Tan Kai lovely leg kick again two more yellows um, and then the big right hand the knockdown for Tan Kai Lee was stunned on the ground and <laughs> Uh, Tankai landed a beautiful left hand to the stunned Lee, like McGregor style. You know, when someone is is out, you put him further out, um, and he ground and pound and finished him there. But you know, this Tankai is a very, very, very good fighter in the you know the featherweight slash lightweight division, um, <clears throat> and I truly believe he could hang. In the top fifteen of any of those divisions, what, what is this ground game like? You've been obviously watching yeah. a lot more one than me. It's it's pretty good. It's not bad. Like his takedown defense is very good. Like because uh, Tang Kai, sorry Tan Lee would have been wanting to take him down a lot in the first round. And like Tang Tan Lee went in in his last fight and beat Ilya Freemanov, who is like a really good fucking Dagestani wrestler. He submitted him. So like Tan Lee is good on the ground. He's good takedowns. Um, and you know this was seven and a half rounds where he couldn't take him down at all. I've, there isn't a whole lot of him on the ground from what I've seen because, um, you know, because he's so good basically at uh, at keeping it standing. But from the bits and pieces I have seen of him on the ground, he he looks pretty good. Like he's no submission wins and no submission losses. But his style, his style, like his style, you wouldn't be able to judge his style by this fight because Tan Lee fought a style to take Tan Kai out of his style. His style is usually kind of the style that Tan Lee fights. So it's a very outside, stay away from me, and I'm going to catch you type of style, and it's. Very, very, very effective. Like so, yeah. He's a he's a tremendous fighter, and uh, I'm looking forward to see uh, who who they put him in there. Uh, wait next. Um, yeah, see where that goes. Uh, then the main event, we had uh, Rinya the Ritter against Anatoly Mayakin in the rematch of their fight, which Mayakin won pretty easy first time around. He caught uh, the Ritter with a big right hand early in their first fight, and the Ritter never really uh, got back into it, but. The Ritter did, you know, I said in my preview for this, the Ritter just needs to not get hit with that right hand this time. And that's exactly what he did. He was very defensive. Um, he 
just kind of turned away from the shots. He didn't, I, I use this uh, f- phrase in my Sherdog uh, uh, review as well. He didn't present the target. You know, we talk about that all the time in judging with shots to the back of the head. He just didn't present his face to be punched at any time in this career, in this fight. But at the same time, Malyakin was just better. He was still landing some shots. And I thought the, the second round was just a slow death. He was cutting off the cage. He was hitting him to the body. Lovely shots to the body. And then in the third, yeah, landed some They, nice they shots. really wore him out. You could see the, you know, the effects of them as the fight went on. He became kind of a little bit wobbly even, you know, when it's kind of a, a mixture of running out of cardio and just being beaten down to the body. And he, he seemed like it was just a matter of time. And obviously he retired and retirement finish in the in the third round is is a sign of kind of being beaten down and you know this is this is a what is it 14 and 0 now this is a guy who's multiple weight champion or now uh you know obviously he's 36 years old but you know he looks like a very difficult guy to beat and maybe it's too late for him to you know uh to really kind of get people excited about you know possibly how he would do against other guys across the pond as they say but you know he's 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 an absolute beast he works the body he's he's patient he's he's his footwork is really good um for a guy who carries so much kind of size and weight his cardio is great you know he's he's a handful for anybody it's just maybe you know he seems to be coming into his prime a little later maybe that's you know he, he if he was a few years younger you might be you know, thinking, oh, if he makes the move over, who, how does he match up against this guy or this guy? But at that age, maybe, maybe you know, a few more fights and that might be the end for him. But, you never yeah, know, that heavyweight, like he's fought at heavyweight for most of his career. So he could have a good, another good three or four years at heavyweight, like, you know? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, he's he's a, such a good fighter, like, and, you know, he, he made the Ritter say uncle at the end of this. Like, he literally fell down and he just refused to get back up. I mean, that happens, you know. Like, <laughs> it was like three different stages of, like, uh, oh, maybe I will really slowly get yeah, up as the ref shouted at him. And then he's like, like nah, oh, nah, no, right. I, don't, I, I right. think I've had enough. You're right, don't worry <laughs> I think about I've had enough. Just <laughs> wave your hands, ref. This is embarrassing. <laughs> just stay over here, though. But, uh, yeah, 100%. But, like, he, so he becomes a three way champion in one. Uh, I think Luke, just, Luke Thomas is described this best when he said he's the heavyweight cruiserweight and light heavyweight champion in one i think that's the best way to describe it because of their um their weight cutting he's the official heavyweight light heavyweight middleweight champion but as i said they don't they do weight cutting a little bit differently so but at the, you know at the same time fantastic achievement and he is a very very good fighter i'd love i'd love if one and pfl slash bellator did a crossover that'd be fucking that'd be so good like him i actually people are pointing out to me him and nimkov are actually training partners so they might fight but like him versus you know francis would be a great fucking fight looking for heavyweights to fight francis there's a few of them out there now definitely with him but um even, even yeah. ksw ksw would be a good him versus a good, the freeze one. that'd be a good fight yeah. Yeah. One night kind of champion or best of versus best of promotion, promotional uh, fight night. Hundred percent, yeah. So all in all, like the it was a, it was a mad one championship card. A few like a couple of the fights fell out as well. Stamp was supposed to be on the card, and there was um you know there was a I'm sure you missed it, Graham. There was supposed to be a grappling world championship match as well on the card that that fell out. But um, I would I would have missed it on purpose yeah, if there was. <laughs> on on purpose. Uh, the the grappling match on this, uh, Kleber Souza against Osama Al Marari was actually really good. It ended in uh, it ended in arm bar, arm, 
Amber. And uh, well, at least I didn't go to a draw decision anyway. Yeah, the, the, most most jujitsu matches. Yeah, that's true. The uh, the Muay Thai and the, the kickboxing and the boxing and all that was on this. They, they weren't as good as they normally are. To be honest, I I liked Ali Saldiev against Zakaria El Jamari. If you haven't seen that, if you're in Ireland as well, this is on the Sky Sports YouTube and worldwide. It's on the One Championship YouTube, so it's free for everyone to watch. So no harm, no foul there. Uh, all right. Let's look ahead. Actually, one more thing before. Yeah, I, know, I don't know if it was just my internet, but did you have some kind of stream problems that would, it would you know, stop and start or on the, on the, the sky, sky YouTube? No, I was, yeah. I was watching a kind of, I was watching maybe a 20 minute delay or something. So, but no, I, I didn't have any uh, problems. But why did you, was there for you? Yeah, I don't know if it was my internet or, or you know, what was going on. Maybe, maybe it is, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it was. I thought, I thought because it was Sky Sports, it'd probably be flawless, but uh, it wasn't. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. It seemed to be okay for me. My, my end. Maybe. Did you see again, actually, that TNT fucking cut off half a round in the middle of the fucking main event of the UFC? Jesus yeah, I don't Christ. Know. This, there was all these kind of rookie production mistakes at the start, and it was kind of like, okay, yeah, fair enough, you know, they're... Uh, even though it's an easy <laughs> it seems like an easy enough thing like you know to do but uh it seems to be, be it went away for a long time you know obviously the we talked about the kind of swear word thing or whatever that, that's kind of understandable but this is not understandable this is just terrible this is um you know this is the difference like okay sometimes it, nothing happens in the round but sometimes a vital thing happens in the round you don't know who won the fight or sometimes a knockout or a submission happens in the round and you know uh, back to a couple of weeks ago with the Ian Gary fight where they, they came back a little bit later and they the audio was was wonky the whole fight it just ruins uh, the immersion that you have of the fight and it kind of it's just it's just terrible when it's so when it's so avoidable it's really annoying like it's it's just it's just unforgivable really awful just so bad yeah and i i hate it i, I wonder because of the move over to tnt i don't know but hopefully they'll fucking start out at some stage um while well, we're on one they have another well, like like they'll be like you know this is a thing that like live sport there'll be like an nfl game on sky sports in the middle of the night and this will never happen you know yeah, what i mean true yeah like how does this happen so often? Um, how, like how long have you been watching? How long, how long have you been watching soccer, and how many times this has happened? I think I think I remember it happening once ever in a game. Like they came back and the match had started like seven seconds ago or something. That was probably already or something. Like. No, I think it's guys wars once, but like this. This has happened twice now in, in the space. That guy was probably immediately fired. <laughs> probably, yeah. This is ridiculous. Anyway, uh, as I said, one championship have a card next week. Uh, it's for International Women's Day, so it's an all-women's card. There's only one MMA fight on it, I believe. Jean Redzuin against uh, Chichiro Savada. The winner of that could very well be fighting Stamp, although I think she's fighting Zamboanga, um, so maybe the winner of that. This uh, Savada looks really good. She's um, I've seen her picture here. She has like a, a Japanese uh, wrestling outfit on so it that would suggest she's been on like some sort of an Olympic team or something she fights like that she's a really good athlete really good wrestler um, uh, Jihin is a very good striker very aggressive so that's a good matchup for her there but uh, there's a lot of Mai Tai and stuff on that as well Janet Todd uh, in a kickboxing match uh, against uh, Pijaj uh, uh, Alicia Rodriguez who I know a lot of people are a fan of she's in um, a Mai Tai matchup there against Christine, Christina Morales as well um, just to finish up on this weekend Octagon had a really good car 
art this weekend. Uh, Patrick Keensel came through the main event. Uh, he beat Peter uh, Wojciak. I actually haven't watched it yet, but apparently he had a really good comeback there. Got an arm triangle in round three. I watched some of the earlier card. Um, my guy Hafini Nafukwa ended up losing... Um, a unanimous decision there. Just, I, I just experience. I think Callum there. They've opened scoring as well, and uh, they told me he was two rounds down in that, and he got taken down the third, and I just immediately turned it off because like so open scoring makes people turn off your product. That's a, that's another thing I discovered today. So open scoring just absolutely terrible. But um, big wins uh, for An Duke who was in the PFL last year. He beat the the champion, I believe, uh, Gravinsky. So that's an interesting one. The belt wasn't up for grabs here, so maybe that could be rematched down the line. Uh, Matthias Ligierski beat uh, Kahoot. Daniel Torres, who we all know has a win over um, Saldin Parnas, got a win here as well. Uh, Makwan Amerikani lost to Mohamed Machev, uh, who's a really good prospect. He got the knockout in round three there, six seconds into it. So um, that tournament is a very, very good million, million pound tournament. And... Uh, I think they did a draw after. We'll have to we'll have to catch that draw uh, next week. But um, yeah, very good card there from uh, them. Right uh, before we get into you two nine nine, we'll end it on two nine nine. The other big card next week, Graham, is PFL's return. Now I'll have a full preview of this on uh, on Sherdog, so you can tune in for that. But the the two main fighters here, Cedric Dumbe uh, against Abdul Abdurahimov. Uh, sorry. The both of them are fighting they're not fighting each other Abdurrahim I was fighting Jack Grant who we know fought Ian Gary for the Cage Warriors welterweight title and Cedric Dumba is fighting Basanjur uh, Shamsudinov uh, who's uh, a pretty good prospect as well at, at 7-0 how excited are you? Have, you have you jumped on the train for both Dumba and, uh, and the Lazy King Graham are you excited about these two yeah, I am. Uh, you know, um, I think it's good matchmaking. You know, obviously, Dumbe is, you know, uh, kind of exploded onto the scene. It's very exciting, but he is very young in his career. He's he's five and zero, and he does need to kind of fight guys around around his record. And you know, this this is a fight that makes sense. It's a good main event, and I'm excited to see it. The co-main event as well. Jack Grant is a difficult guy uh, to look good against. A difficult guy to put away, and um, you know, uh, has has a pretty well-rounded game as well. So he's a good test as well. So yeah, these I like the matchmaking. I like the I like the fights. I think it's a it's an exciting card. You know, it's a it's a, obviously Dumbe has um, a big following. You know, the the the, the French fans really get behind him. Uh, if he can go in there and keep doing what he's doing, you can see him being a potential star. But like we've seen we've seen this before, especially at heavyweight. You know, people hit it really hard. It, it can go wrong really quickly. Uh, as well, when guys are raw and green, um, like Dumbe, obviously, you know, he is at this early stage of his career, and uh, you know, uh, you'd expect him to go in there and look spectacular. But you know, at such an early stage in his career, we, we've seen before where guys maybe have things uh, exposed, holes exposed in their game that we didn't know were there as they go up through the ranks. And yeah, it definitely has a bit of you know questions to be answered, which makes me intrigued about this one and about the combine event and. You know, there's some other fights on the card as well that are interesting. You know, uh, I think, you know, maybe the Conor Hughes fight is a very interesting one as well. And obviously there's a bit of uh, uh, Kane Musa, you know, going in there against uh, undefeated uh, Kazuba, who, who's looked phenomenal recently. So, yeah, there's a few uh, really good fights on this card and I'm definitely excited for this card. And, you know, after the, the last Paris event, obviously the atmosphere and how that went down as well uh, is obviously something to add to the event. Yeah, I think PFL have. It's weird. I I, I did my I recorded my preview the other day, and I kind of got a bit mixed up with this, to be honest. Because the PFL have kept a lot of the young up and coming fighters. They have kind of like 
older fighters who probably shouldn't be in the PFL Europe, but don't have like the, let's say the Kieran Clark levels of fighter who's like a good prospect, who's past like the, the early stage of his career, but not really ready yet for the title stage of his career. I feel like they would be the perfect kind of people to put in here but no they've kind well, of they have, um, they have those guys now with the Bellator acquisition Bellator oh, absolutely but they haven't really put them in here like I'll just run through it just quickly here a few of them right so I would say Mane is one of those guys right he's 13 and 4 he's opponent Pedro not so much 8 and 3 I watched a few of his fights he's not he's not great Kashun and Capella are both kind of that sort of level. They're they're pretty good. That's a one fifty five. Kazuba is very very good. He won it last year, and Ken Musa. Obviously, we know what Ken Musa is. That's a very good fight. It's more than one seventy years, but. Yassine Najid, yeah, he's okay. Then Yelly McKelly, he's the guy who uh, fought Peter Queeley in, in Dublin, who I poked him. He's, he's not bad either, but like uh, Marion Demetrio, he fought Christian Leroy Duncan for the cage or title. You know, him and Cartel, not great. You know, Conor Hughes is good, but the fight he's fighting Bajal, he's okay. Like, Shivov is good, Skatizi is good. But this, this, this 175 between Tommy, uh, Tomas uh, Langowski and Florim Zarelli, this is. I, I don't know how these lads are in it, to be honest. Like, uh, I don't know. And like, last year I looked at it, and uh, the weird thing about it, right, is there's some very good prospects in it. But I feel like last year we almost had all very good prospects in it. Or it felt like that anyway. I think Dan Hardy did a fantastic job. Now, we'll get one or two weeks in, and I might very much change my tune because Dan Hardy knows an awful lot more than me, and he probably sees a lot more in these lads maybe than I see. But... I haven't said that as well. I do think all the matches are actually good because kind of Shizov and Skatizi, good matchmaking and two good fighters. Langowski and Zanelli, not great fighters, both fighting each other type of thing. Overall, I know you maybe haven't looked at them as closely as I have, Graham. I, I spent fucking hours looking at all these lads the other day and I was like, mm, not, not yeah. so sure. You know, uh, sometimes uh, when you don't know the guys well and you're kind of looking at the records and things like that, it's easy to kind of say, oh, it's not that exciting. But I probably would have said the same thing when they announced the the bracket. I would have thought, ah, oh, you know, this is these guys are probably going to dominate or whatever. And then it turns out that maybe the the guys I own, uh, the guys I didn't really know or or didn't know as well, I underestimated, and they look good as well. And you want to mix up the tournaments. You don't want them to be like similar guys all the time, which kind of. Bellator in, in the early days when they had the tournaments was a problem they kind of ran into where everything was a rematch or you know a bunch of the same guys were in every sure. tournament so it is good to mix it up a bit but there is yeah you know maybe we probably were expecting a few uh, a couple of more uh, familiar faces but yeah uh, looking at the, the matchups you know um, as you said there is some pretty good matchups there you know um, six and four uh, Langowski maybe is you know one that He's bad. Look at now he's a, he's think, a he's a bad fighter. I would yeah, say. It's, a, it's a nice matchup to, to get in the first round. But you know, um, this is a guy who's only had nine fights as well. Who he's fighting, so uh, you know, um, I don't see either of those guys going very far in the tournament. But you know, these tournaments and these these guys sometimes surprise you. So um, yeah, um, I, I don't want to put you know put too much of a downer on it before I've I've seen these guys in action. Yeah, I and I maybe I've put too much of a downer because there are. Some really good prospects. I, I think my, I might have been a bit spoiled last year. Like, Kasuba, brilliant prospect, as we saw last year. Yazid Kashun is a, is a pretty good prospect. Mane is a guy uh, still 17 fights into his career who's green as grass, but he's a good prospect as well. Connor Hughes is a good prospect. You know, 
my problem is with kind of the other guys in it. But like, as you say, maybe that'll change as well. But um, look, I'm looking forward to the card anyway. As I said, it's good matchmaking the whole way through. It definitely is that. I've and got I, Binder, Mark Ewan for it. Is yeah, for it as well. very interesting. I'm surprised Binder got another opportunity there, but I'm glad. Love, great to see an Irish guy on the card. And Mark Ewan is, he, I know he impressed you as well, Graham, watching him in Dublin that time. He's a very, very good fighter. So I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing that one. Tough fight for, for both of them, let's be honest. But um, we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. Right. Let's uh, let's have a look at UFC two nine nine. I I cannot wait for this. Oh yeah, this is brilliant. Oh. Like uh, Michael Venom Page finally in the UFC. A few years too late, but better better uh, late than never. Let's talk about him. A lot of he's people. A, he's a, he, hold on. I was looking what? at the odds the other day. Let me just check the odds again. Is he still an underdog? Oh no, yeah, he's an underdog still. It's that's absolutely mental to me. Like I Kevin agree. Holland is a good fighter, but yeah, yeah, he's a good fighter. He's well rounded, but uh, Michael Venom Page. Like if Kevin Holland was a, you know, a very good timing his takedowns and you know uh, things like that, maybe yeah. But I, I just, I just don't see how Michael Page is an underdog here. I think, you know, obviously he's he, he kind of feels his way into a lot of fights over the years and you know uh, kind of waits for his opportunity and then pounces and yeah, I, I see that happening again here. I, uh, I, I don't understand. I'm probably missing something here, but. Uh, I don't understand why the bookies have made him. Uh, well, Graham, the prevailing wisdom out there seems to be that MVP is no use. The prevailing wisdom out there seems to be ah, he was in Bellator, he got through it, he'll come to the UFC, he'll have no hope. That that anybody with his wisdom. like watch his striking ability, anybody like that is a very very dangerous fighter, and yeah, obviously you know he hasn't had it all his own way, and people got maybe frustrated with him. Uh, taking ages to to kind of step up a competition, you know, fighting in super fight league and all that stuff was kind of funny for a while, but then it just got ridiculous. Um, but like you know, some of the devastating, you know, what did, Cyborg got his cr- uh, skull crushed? You know, people have had serious injuries fighting this guy. This guy is a dangerous, dangerous striker. He has loads of tools. Um, he's vicious, like you know, on the feet, and obviously uh, he's shown a couple of. A couple of, I think he's got a couple of submissions to his name. I remember him getting some kind of, some kind of leg lock or something. Maybe I'm mixing that up, but he's he's no like he's not completely clueless on the ground. I don't think it's like a fact of oh, if Kevin Holland can just get him down, it's all over. So there's going to be three rounds there on the feet. Michael Page isn't going to overcommit to to much if if he fights to what he usually fights. Maybe there's going to be some UFC jitters. You know, a guy who's had a lot of kickboxing bouts and fought all over the world you'd think there wouldn't be, but we've seen that happen before, even with veterans who've never fought in the UFC before, that can play into it, but oh, I just don't see how we can be an underdog here. Me neither. I, I like, I'm a massive MVP fan. I think people, people know that, but even if you think he's going to lose or he's going to shit out of the UFC or whatever, his fights are going to be fun as shit. He's going to have, it's going to be brilliant. Like this fight with Kevin Holland. It's going to be fun as shit. He's going to throw wild shots. He's going to be playing and talking in there. Like, it's going to... Can we just... And this is coming from a fucking noted prick. But can we just have a bit of fucking fun? Like, can we just enjoy MVP and not be bitching and moaning about But this is what the, this is what the UC are trying to give us. Yeah. yeah you know, a, a matchup where he's not going to be... Well, he's not likely to be, like, taken down and just lay on. Him versus uh, Michelle Pereira next in, please. Can we have that? Yeah, or Wonder Boy. Can we get Wonder Boy? Yeah, love it. Ah, oh, be like my two kids fighting each other. I don't, I don't know if I'll be able to take it, but I cannot wait for him. I think he's gonna win. Like Kevin Holland's no great shake. Like 
Kevin Holland is there's some weird thing been going on for years with uh, Kevin Holland and yeah. people hyping him I, I don't know uh, sometimes I just you know, like Jan Bohovic for example I just always pick up against him and they end up winning the belt or whatever but with Kevin Holland I just can't I just can't understand why people I, are I so fall into that trap a of so highly. yeah I fall in there a couple of times but I think you're right like he he's not a bad fighter but not, he's not a He's not a yeah. great fighter. Like I think, I think MVP is a great fighter. Like, come on, come on, lads. Let's have a bit of fun with MVP. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Also, the lads will have a full preview. I, I don't know if I'll be on it. Probably, I might jump on this week as well. Uh, there's plenty to talk about in this one anyway. This Dustin Poirier Benoit sent an email. Before you move on, maybe it's a thing. The, Go on. Of Michael Venom Page is past the the secret magical line of 35 years old. Oh, maybe, maybe, and like his style. Of <laughs> I know it's not a title <laughs> fight, but. Th- that yeah. is a big thing these days. A lot of people are talking about that, so maybe that plays into people thinking, people betting, and the bookies. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think how, how like, uh, MVP is not a favorite here. His style is not exactly an old man style either, is it? Like, to, if that is the logic, I think that's probably a fair logic, right? But yeah, I, I don't care though. I, I, I really want. I've always wanted to see him in the UFC. I'm, I'm yeah, so I'm excited. Glad it's, it's, it's finally, really it's finally happening, and hopefully, it's, it's yeah, no like, out there, nothing happens. But. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, this is one of a bunch of fights on the card where, you know, I'm really interested in their really good matchmaking. You know, we talked about the matchmaking earlier, but this is, you know, the main fights on this card are fantastic. This Poria versus Sandani fight is such an intriguing fight for me. Like, again... I mean, let me look at the betting line here, Graham. You, you brought yeah. up, so let's... Poirier is an yeah. underdog in this as well. I, I, I watched a bit of Sandani, right? Ooh. So I, I... Right. I watched a bit of Sandani today... And like, there's no doubt he's a good fighter, but is that man on Dustin Poirier's level as a technician or anything like that? I I don't think he's close. Now, is Dustin Poirier yeah. what he used to be? He had a bad head kick knocked game? out. He didn't look phenomenal on that. I can see why people might think, oh, maybe it's his best days are behind him. But I think it's very quick to write write him off after one one you know bad performance against a really you know dangerous guy in in Justin Gaethje and. You know, if you fight at the top level for a long time, these things happen in MMA. You know, these things happen in the upper echelon of MMA when you're fighting the likes of, like, you know, uh, he fought Pettis, beat Gaethje, beat Eddie Alvarez, beat Holloway, lost to Nermi, Dan Hooker, Conor McGregor twice, you know, Charles Oliveira, Mike Chandler, Justin Gaethje. You're not going to come out clean out of that without losses. So I wouldn't be so quick to write him off. I know he's lost two of his last three, but... This is at the very, you know, very top level of the division, a very stacked division as well. So, yeah, uh, BSD has, you know, has a lot of potential. He's looked, he's looked great. You know, he really has. He, he's since since that loss, he he he's really kind of upped it, and he, he looks really well rounded. And he, he's been putting every, all the aspects aspects of MMA together really well. But Parier has been doing this for a lot of years against the the very top guys, and this is a massive step up for BSD here. You know, uh, I'm a big fan of his. I think he has a lot of potential. You know, in a in a very difficult division. But I would be. Uh, I know Poirier's past the the age as well. But uh, um, yeah, I'd be going for Poirier in this one as well. I think I'm going to have a few underdogs in my card in this one. Yeah. So it's eight months since Poirier had that last fight, the the head kick. Like it's it, he could have done with it maybe another couple of months, but still he has taken the time out. Um, eight months is a lot longer than we see for a, a lot of guys. A lot of guys, it is hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, and he hadn't like it's not like like he hadn't been knocked out in 
fucking Michael Johnson in 2016 before that. So it's not like he's getting knocked out all the time. He's okay. He's been choked out a couple of times. But I, I looked at Santini right, and it's easy to watch the the Zelecki de Santos fight and say, look, if he does that to him, Jesus, what will Poirier do? The problem I think with Santini, and this this is, this is, uh, this is not a great point, but I'm going to make it anyway. Who's the best person he's actually beaten, right? Tiago Moises, you know, maybe Ismail Bonfim, Matt Frivola. Like, none of them are near the level. Now, it's not to say he won't be probably not to say he won't go to the next level and become a champion, but he hasn't done And he yet. has beaten them impressively, but... Yes. Yeah, he, this he, is this is like a different... He different has to C, do it. A different, it's five rounds level. as well. Uh, let's see. If Poria turns up at his best... <sighs> Jesus, that's a tough fight. I cannot. I again, I can't wait for it. This is great matchmaking. This makes us ask those questions, right? And uh, this is, you know, this is what MMA is all about, really, isn't it? It's like, can the old dog do it again, or can like Sandini's twenty eight as well? He's not a young dog or anything like that. He's been there, but he's won most, nearly all of his fights, you know, apart from a couple. But uh, yeah, I can't wait for it. Jesus, I cannot wait for that at all. Um, the calling on the car fights before we get to uh, the main event. Uh, some really good ones. Um, this new heavyweight who's only four and coming in, uh, Rob Lee, the Spaniard, he's fighting Josh Parisian. This guy looks an absolute fucking beast. He kind of went viral a, a few months ago. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him in there. Uh, my guy, Michelle Pereira, against. Um, Poland's uh, Michelle Olajechuk. Another Paul then, Matthias Gamrat, against Rafael Dos Anjos. That's a fight. That fight, look, we talked about the Sandini and and, um, and Poria. That's a fight that Gamera needs to be winning, isn't it, Graham? Like, Dos Anjos, I think, is probably the five, six, seven fights further along than what Poria is now. I think he's kind of maybe overstepped that mark a little bit. If Gamera is to take his place and become the next contender, he needs to win that, doesn't he? How, how do you see that one going? Yeah, I think he does. I think, you know, he was always, we, we, we've been watching him for a long time. He was in them bouts in KSW with Norman Park and things like that. He was always a really strong grappler and wrestler. But recently he seems to have rounded out his game. His striking looks, you know, it's not it's not top class, but it's definitely functionable and it's a, it's a lot better than it was. Um, and he's going in there against a guy who's, you know, he's, been there at the very top but you know he's been in a lot of wars a lot of fights a lot of rounds he's been up and down in weight he's he's had his ups and downs in his career and he's a guy who you know his best years are behind him so for Gamrod it's a it's a great name to go in there against and get a, a victory against if he can and it's somebody who you know stylistically he should be able to you know uh he should be able to not fall into the the or the RDA game plan if he's smart. You know he has the tools to to negate what RDA is likely to want to do, and he should be able to to win a handy a handy probably decision here. I I just think that's going to decision. <laughs> just, all I can see when I see that fight is a decision. Now I think yeah I think Gamrat will probably win it as well. But it's a, it's an interesting fight. Like Gamrat. For as good as he is, he hasn't been kind of dominating anyone at that level yet. If he could do it to Dos Anjos, you know, I think that'd be great for him. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, big fight as well, Pedro Munoz and Kyler Phillips. Uh, Kaelin uh, Kerminara, former Kaelin Chukagan fighting Macy Barber. And a big fight at heavyweight, uh, Jolton Almeida against Curtis Play. It's like if, if Almeida wins that, he's probably the number one contender for, um, you know, Aspinall's interim title. Uh, hopefully Aspinall defended, not just... This is another one where, you know, another great match, uh, bit of matchmaking, you know, another one that's hard to call, how, uh, hard to know how it's going to look. 
could go a number of different ways. And there's a, there's a bunch of fights like that on this card. And this is a, you know, people have been talking a lot, a lot about UFC 300 over the last, you know, several, several weeks, if not months. But is this better? This, yeah. I, I, I think I, it is. I think it probably is. I was going to say it's definitely up there with it anyway, if not better on paper. I love it. This Almeida Blades fight, just quickly, like Almeida, the big question for everyone, I suppose, and a genuine question for a former 205er is, can he beat the big heavyweights? Uh, the other question, I suppose, is can his wrestling keep, uh, you know, translating up the divisions? And the third question is, can his wrestling beat wrestlers? Uh all three of those questions will be answered against Curtis Blades, I feel like. Now, the last time we had this was with Aspinall, and those questions couldn't be answered because the fight ended very quickly. Hope, let's hope that's not the case here, but this is a fascinating one for me. Let's, let me look at the betting odds in this one. I've genuinely no clue who the favourite. Very close. They're both, they're both even, both, both minus 110, so that says it all about this fight. Cannot wait for that. Joe Song Yudong versus uh, Peter Yan as well, Graham. I was thinking about Yan the other day, and I'm like, this guy, I thought he was going to be like the fucking... 135 pound goat I was not not sure of it but I was pretty sure like he's lost four of his last five fights only beating Corey Sandhagen in there you know lost to a close enough fight okay with Marab split decision against Bodo Mali and Sterling and you know it was a DQ as well so it's not like he's you know it, it's not like he's a boss or anything like that but him versus Yadong I'm I'm so interested to see this fight. He is the favorite, but not much of a favorite. Do you like? Do you think yeah, you his know, career can be revitalized? Like, can he come back from this? Like, obviously, he's lost uh, split decisions to Sterling and O'Malley, and uh, you know, a decision to Marab, and it's it's three in a row though. You know, these are upper echelon guys. Obviously, they're at the very top of the game, all that stuff. But for confidence wise and like momentum wise and. You know, the mental side of it, which is a huge part of it, you know, it's definitely a challenging time for him. You know, he was uh, the kind of, you know, as you said, he was he was expected to be the kind of the king of the division uh, for a while and everything's gone kind of wrong for him. It's it's really a massive, massive fight for him. Um, I think I think he will win. I think his fundamentals are, are really good. And I think if he if he goes out there and fights, you know, close to the, the best of his abilities he should win but after three losses you know there might be some doubt in his mind it's tough to take you know uh, there's a lot of pressure on this now the, the prospect of going 0-4 in your last four is is like kind of the end of your upper echelon career this is a, a big pressure fight for him that I, I, I think he will win but it's a, it's another hard one to call and it is yeah Don Song definitely has the tools to, to make this very difficult and to potentially you know uh, make him 0-4 in his last four, which is, which is probably a, a, a prospect we never would have uh, thought. Uh, you know, it's a, what, it's, three years ago, two and a half years ago. Hundred percent. It's a weird thing to say, but like, and this is no disrespect to song. I kind of hope Yan wins. Not this, not this fight or matchup specifically. I just, I, I'd love to see him win two or three fights in a row and get back there because this guy's a, a solid, very, very good world class fighter. Um, or do you know what else I'd love to see? I'd love to see him get cut and go and fight Patchy Mix. What a fucking fight that'd be! Can we get a bit of that? Throw that in there. But anyway, no, I, I, Jesus, I'd hate to see MMA lose a fighter like Yan and how much excitement he brought and, you know, how, how he was viewed. It'd be great to see him come back. It'd be great, but look, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And look, no, Song Yudong, if he beats Yan, he goes to that. No, in, an, in another world, he could have won that split decision over Absolutely. Sterling or a split decision over O'Malley and it could have been all so different, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, 
Burns and Della Maddalena then fucking another great fight again. Like I, I love this fight. Della Maddalena there's a lot of these fights where it's like the old lion against the new young up and comer. Um the one worry I would have for Gilbert Burns is like every UFC I've watched in the last six months, who do I see their cage side? Whether it's fucking Australia, whether it's Vegas, you know, Gilbert Burns is standing there and like how much training is he getting in how much like he just seems to be he doesn't look in great shape no. a lot of the time when you see him as well yeah that's another one when was it? his last fight was his last to Bilal Muhammad in May of last year so it's 10 months since he last fought Della Maddalena on the other hand then you know he beat Kevin Holland um, f- five or six months ago beat Basil Hafez before that you know he was due to fight Sean Brady and others this is a big st- well a big enough step up from him is it a big step up from Kevin Holland it is I suppose that was a split decision as well I, I've always believed in Jack Della Maddalena and his ability I'm uh, I'm also not thinking I'm writing off Gilbert Burns as old or finished yet. Although my 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 previous statement may have seen to uh, to say that, but I think this is going to be interesting. I wonder can will or can Gilbert Burns take him down? Uh, and I wonder how good Della Maddalena will be on the ground if he does. Um, if it stays on the feet. Burns his power I remember Ian Gary talking to me and he's up and coming days about Gilbert Burns and saying like this this is the hardest guy in the division to beat like he's an unbelievable grappler very good wrestling very good striking he's powerful he's he's all of it really like it does at, at one that? stage it looked like his striking had become really good but mm-hmm. I don't know if it actually had you know um it, it or it was it would we saw glimpses of what it could be but we, I think maybe we over over you know, um, we jumped the gun. We jumped. We jumped the gun a little bit on it because in his last couple, you know, his last few, he, his striking has kind of uh, regressed nearly. Um, obviously, he's getting he's getting older, and he, he's not as active, and he's busy doing other things. He's coaching and all that stuff. Maybe it's hard isn't in it as much, and you know, um, Jack De- Jack Della Medellin is the hardest definitely in this. You know, maybe that'll be a factor if it goes long. Maybe. Uh, you know, um, Jack Della Jack Medellina will take over the fight. And, you know, as you said, though, Gilbert Burns is definitely really dangerous. He's he's a very good jiu-jitsu guy. But at, at the at the higher levels of these these stack divisions, you know, uh, everybody's got really good defensive jiu-jitsu. And it's, it's, it's harder than ever, than it ever has been uh, to, you know, to be a Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist who kind of, you know, uh, dominates on the ground and submits people. Maybe even when they're at a disadvantage in other parts of the the, the MMA game. Uh, so yeah, um, I, I'd probably lean uh, Madalena, but um, it, it kind of depends on on Gilbert Burns a lot. So this is another one of these fights where I don't know how it's going to look and I'm really intrigued and I don't know who's going to win. So this is a great card. Yeah, this is, this is, this is a brilliant <laughs> card. This is exactly what I, what I like. Yeah. And in the main event, Sean O'Malley versus Cheeto Vera. Uh, obviously, they fought a few years ago. O'Malley uh, injured his leg in that. But a lot of people would say, look, Vera injured well, his leg. No, Vera injured his leg. Yeah, yeah, he did. I would agree with that. Um, but still, it, it, felt, it felt like we didn't have a whole fight in that and we'll, we'll be getting more of it here. I someone put it to me the other day on the Q and A. Like, have those questions about O'Malley's durability actually been answered? And it's, it's I thought it was a very fair question to be honest. Because like, if you think about it, right? He he had that fight in twenty twenty. He had the uh, no contest at the IPOC uh, in twenty twenty two. 
okay, the Ann fight, maybe you take away from that a little bit. The Sterling fight, he kind of, you know, he dominated that. And then he kind of fought three lads who, you know, with all due respect to Almeida, who's, you know, we all thought was going to be a great prospect at one stage. Moutinho and Poivet are just not on that level, really. Um, I wonder if if this turns into a fight like a lot of various fights have recently, where it's, you know, going towards five rounds, let's say that, where Vera's taking all the shots and he's landing some big damaging blows. He's making it tough. It turns into a bloody, you know, dirty fight where there's, you know, the there's so many leg kicks that their shins are bleeding. And, one, you know, one of those dirty, rotten fights. Does O'Malley have it in him to stand up to that? And I, I'm not even saying, like, mentally or anything like that. I'm sure he does. Like, you don't get to that level uh, without... Um, well, maybe you do, as the convers- part of the conversation we had earlier. But physically, does he have it? Like, physically, he has fallen down a few times. That's still a question, I think. it's there. I don't think that's a question we should write off, especially going into a fight like this. I think in terms of the ability and the skill level and all that, I do think he is ahead. And if this comes down to that and that alone, I do think O'Malley will win. But fights don't always come down to that. And Vera has a chance to turn it into that dirty, rotten type of fight. And he's shown in his last few fights that he has the ability to do that. You know, he doesn't always have the ability to do that, but he can do that. Um... What, what do you think, Graham? Like, is is that a prospect? Is the you know the pro- first of all, what do you think about O'Malley being kind of brought down to a not even brought down to a level, but you know his his fucking body parts being tested. You know, you know him, him just yeah. being like a one of those gross fucking fights that you unless you can come through it physically, nothing else will matter. Do you think he can stand up to that? Um, I I think. I think if if he's fighting Vera and Vera's doing it to him, I think he can. Uh, like I think I think Vera's a very good fighter, but I think you know uh, that was a fight originally. Even O'Malley, where he was at the time, less developed, uh, he should have won that fight. But Vera had a very smart game plan and executed it really well and damaged the leg. And you know, uh, obviously, um, it was a huge victory, and that's probably the main reason why Vera's getting this title shot. But O'Malley has improved since then. You know, he has, um, he, in kind of all aspects, he, he he's kind of a, a much a much more well, well-rounded and better fighter than he was when they first fought. And for Vera, I don't know, I think he might be, you know, about the same standard as he was back then. Um, and I would have picked, I would have picked, uh, you know, O'Malley to, to go in there the first time and beat him, and I'm going to pick him again here. But, like, that's going to be what you said is going to be, got to be Vera's game plan. He's got to try and, you know, compromise uh, O'Malley like he did in the first fight, and, you know, with, with leg kicks or something similar to that, or just make it as dirty and, you know, grindy as possible. But I think O'Malley's movement, O'Malley's striking. You know, and also though on the on the on the other side of it, you know, this guy has gone in and finished you. He's a, like, you know, this is a guy who has a victory over you that is kind of you know hard to dispute. Even if you say, "Oh, my leg is was injured," he injured your leg and he went on to elbow you from guard and finish you. You know, so yeah, I think um, that's got to be Vera's game plan. But I think somebody with a uh, a bit more high level uh, it's kind of sounds bad on Maravera but somebody who can do the, the, these things that you're talking about at a higher level would maybe be able to get you. Uh, wear down O'Malley and beat him that way but I don't think Vera has 
uh, even it's kind of sounds weird to say when he beat him before, but I don't. I think he has uh, a very low chance of that happening in this fight. That's a fair point. That is a fair point, and I actually agree with you. To, to play devil's advocate a little bit, just before we go, sometimes we're we easily write off what happened the first time, especially in a fight like this where it's you know let, let's say there's um you know, uh, an injury or like a, a body shot or something like that. It's like, ah, he caught him at one shot and that's it. And in the fight again, he knocks him out with a body shot again type of thing. You know, some, you know I think yeah, most styles people... make fights and sometimes yeah. guys, like, you know, certain things that they're really good at. You know, Owen Roddy, for example, an Irish fighter, people, uh, obviously the Irish fans will, will know, but other people mightn't, but he uh, used to have a really devastating, like, step-in knee to the body that will put people away. And, you know, and some people are just really good at a certain thing. You know, you said like a hook to the body or something like that. And they might just see something in the guy's game that he does that sets up perfectly for something they do and they can use that. You know, that is a possibility here. And there is the other factor of like anything can happen in MMA. You know, this is there's a lot of stuff going on there. And, you know, uh, fights can change even even if it's not a finish. Fights can can change on on a, a momentary thing. Like, so it's definitely possible. I'm not ruling out Vera completely, but I do think... O'Malley is just a much better all-round fighter. Yeah, I do as well. Uh, and I think O'Malley will win. Um, but God almighty, what a, what a card. I said it there a few weeks ago. We so much stuff to look forward to. Like, you know, 298 was was a great card on paper. This is a great card on paper. I loved 166. 300 is going to be really good as well. Cage Warriors are coming back with uh, shows next week. They have two shows. Not next week, the week after. We'll talk about them next week. Then we'll have Dublin. Then we'll have... Uh, uh, Bellator and Belfast. few changes in that as well, Graham. Uh, there's now a title fight there. Jeremy Kennedy's fighting Patricio Pitbull in the co-main event. The main event still Karen Moore against Corey Anderson. And James Gallar now fighting Leandro Higo. So uh, some interesting changes to that. I'll be honest, I think all those fights make a lot more sense. So I'm kind of, I'm glad I'm happy with those changes, to be honest. But uh, yeah, a very good card up there. And Kieran Clark was announced. Before, just before case. we completely finish on UFC 299. Yes. Which, which fight... Out of all of them, are, are you looking forward to the most? MVP Holland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought you'd say that. Yeah, about but Poirier, Poirier, then he's like yeah, the, the, these yeah. top three fights. These the, the other fights, like the top five fights, the top six fights are great, but these top three fights are amazing. There's Sorry. just no, but you're grand. It's there's so much to learn. Like that, that made a blades fight. They're going to learn so much. Della Madeline, we're going to learn. MVP, we're going to learn. Sandini, we're going to learn. Peter Yan. <laughs> like, yes. A hundred percent. Gamrot, we're going to learn. That's, even, you know, the, the young the young heavyweight coming through at 4 we're going to learn if he's, uh, like Josh Breeze. Well, we we, we just want to learn. We just want to learn. learn. <laughs> it's learning time with Sean Sheehan at UFC 299. <laughs> the severe myth. Like, but, uh, yeah. They were, they were asking what the name of the card should be. UFC 29. Let's learn. That's the name of this card. Anyway. Right. You were saying something about Kieran Clark there when I... When I yeah, I was just saying he was added to the card as well. The Kellys were added to the card, I believe. And yeah. So, pity it's on in Belfast. But other than that, absolutely fantastic. Right, Graham. Let's, uh, let's see us out with your uh, quote for the week. Actually, before we do that, it's the very start of the month. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast. Sign up. Go on. Do it. We've some great stuff. If you haven't seen the quiz yet, the draw has been made for the semi-final too. Uh, Jesus, the semi-final draw. Me and Ian in the semi-final. That's a big one. Quilch and Dini. Uh, Quilch and Dini is going to be on uh, Tuesday. Me and Ian wins that. And in the grand finale on Thursday, all of them 5pm. Oh, it's, 
the grudge match between me and Ian this week. I'll t- and I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, it's a good one. So tune in for that. Tune in this week for that. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Mail address. Graham, follow him at Severe Mail. Follow me at Chanchi NBA. Please subscribe to this podcast. Please like it and all of that. And now Graham's going to give you, finally, his quote for the week. Graham. So drink, drink, drink and be ill tonight from the one you left behind. We'll see you next Tuesday or Sunday or whenever it is. Good luck.